Good morning. Uh, we're here uh, to talk about yesterday's sermon again this week. Trevor Higgins, our worship minister, is here with me. And uh, yesterday we continued in our Last Words series with talking about Jesus' statement, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, we, I set that up just with the fact that it's quote from a psalm. Uh, Psalm 22, uh, it was a Psalm of David, and um, there's speculation about when he wrote that, if it was when he was uh, in hiding and his life was being threatened, or if it was after he lost his son, Mm -hmm. and um, just the pain. You can hear it in his words, like he's kind of pouring his heart out to God, and um, that's kind of what Jesus is doing at this point. Uh, and so we'll kind of dig right in. Um, I told some jokes kind of at the beginning. They didn't land super well. Yep. <laughs> um, that were just like sometimes last, like dad jokes. Last sometimes words, they land. Sometimes they don't. Jokes. Yeah. yeah. Um, second service they landed a little bit better than first, but um, <laughs> but with with that, you know, this sermon really was connecting all with the the substitutionary part of the cross. So like the fact that Jesus is there as our substitute. So the interesting thing is pairing it off of last week. I feel like this week was saying, okay, last week it was, he knows our pain. Mm -hmm. He can identify with our pain. And then this week is, man, we have no idea about his though. Yeah. Like we literally can't identify with the aloneness that he felt in that moment because he took the punishment that was supposed to be ours. Yeah. So he's feeling what he doesn't want us to ever have to. What I loved how you said it was, um, you know, that he didn't have a place on earth. Mm-hmm. Nor did he really have a place on heaven at this time. Yeah. Like he was truly alone. Yeah, that in both worlds. He's hanging between heaven and earth with a, a home in neither one. Yeah. So uh I can't imagine the isolation that he's feeling. And and it's where that statement comes from then. Um there's another statement in there, I think, that you know, that he's experiencing hell on our behalf, you know. Uh and there's all kinds of conversation about what that is, yeah. but what we know is it's the lack of the presence of God. Right. So, and that's not something I ever want. No, I know that. No. So, um, you had a couple things you said, uh, just you brought up that I'll let you kind of go in on, but sure. One of them was the light and dark thing. Yeah. You you're talking about at birth, there was uh, light and brightness. At midnight, and then at his death, there was darkness at noon. Yeah, and so I think you went on a little bit in more detail what that actually symbolizes. So, what were you trying to? Well, what was the big point in that? Yeah, the the quote was. I read a quote from Douglas Webster. He said, "At the birth of the Son of God, there was light and brightness at midnight. At the death of the Son of God, there was darkness at noon." And you know, just leaning in on that, I quoted from John chapter three. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so I just kind of likened it to there's literal physical darkness here, but it 
it's an image of the spiritual darkness yeah that's taking place that just man uh sin and the repulsiveness of it and it that kind of led into then that the illustration i used was um the character from the passion of the christ and that scene you know that in an interview i was reading that mel gibson did about the movie uh and it, it and it was a creepy character satan the way he portrayed satan in the movie was super creepy and weird you see it from the beginning of the movie in the garden but he's just kind of this lurking like just evil looking character but then at the point i was talking about the scene i was talking about is when jesus is being tried and he's he's cradling a baby Mm -hmm. and when the baby turns and you see its face it's a like distorted old man face that is just really grotesque yep and the whole thing was he he, in the interview they asked him why what was that about and he just his quote was i wanted to convey that sin looks appealing and innocent at a distance but up close it's shocking and repulsive yep and so all of that kind of connects to um that this whole idea of darkness that's taking place and you know, I talked about light and dark and our eyes becoming accustomed to the dark. And that's kind of, it seems like what's ha- what happens. I mean, we, we live um, in a place that's not our home. But it just, in ways, becomes our home. Yep. More than we want it to. So. Yep. And then we talked about, too... Um... I think the question that you asked was, when's the last time that you broke mm. when thinking about, you know, what Jesus did for us? And so our small group was talking about the movie, The Passion. And we we're talking about like in the theater, um, it's the only movie that I've been to where the movie was the movie stopped. It was done, but no one moved. I mean, there was just a silence. No one knew what to do. I mean, it, it literally just I think we read. Over and over, and this happens through all of Scripture, all the stories, and we forget to put ourselves in, in that in those shoes, and we forget about the real raw emotions, the real feelings of of pain, and <clears throat> like we talk about loneliness, um, and when you see it portrayed in front of you, there's just a different impact that it has on you. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, as we go along, and as we get older, and as we read it more and more, we just gonna, oh yeah, Jesus died for me, but. You know, once you brought in the scientific facts of what happens during that, like people are like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it just it just brings it to light, like what he did for us yeah. and how powerful that is. That was like I, I was telling you earlier, uh, that same interview Mel Gibson did, he, he talked about that on screen in the movie when Jesus is being nailed to the cross, <clears throat> he's the one that actually did it. And... It seems like it was all about what you're talking about. Like he was literally trying to put himself mm-hmm. in this place of, man, it was me that put those nails in his hand. It was me who, it was my sin, my ugliness. And um, I think that's why connecting back to what you said, like, why did, when's the last time you broke over what Jesus did for you on the cross. Like if you don't think your sin is ugly, right. 
you probably don't break. Right. You know, and I, that, I think that's the danger even probably particularly for the church. Yeah. You know, when we see it in scripture, I mean, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were the religious people. And they didn't think that their darkness was as dark right. as the world's. And uh, they had to be reminded that, oh, yeah, that 100% is. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, I just think losing sight of the darkness of our sin is what leads us to forget the price he paid for it then. Yeah. You know, and not identifying that it was, that was my price. Um, so. Yeah. And I think uh, the other thing too, I think this was earlier on in your sermon, but you said it was the only time in the gospel that Jesus asked why. Yeah. Um, and that again, just puts into perspective uh, how human, you know, he was. And we, we say he's hundred percent God, hundred percent human. Um, but for him to go through and he knew what was going to happen. Right. Um, but to feel that and to feel all that pain. And then what I loved is, is how you brought it back to the old Testament as well about heaping all the sins on the world onto him. Yeah. And you know, I mean, at, at, I mean, at some point just why, Yeah. you know, and it goes into kind of last week what you and you and Kyle talked about. And just, it's just a powerful moment. That was the, that that to me maybe the at and from a preaching standpoint you know and we've I've talked about this with this Monday morning thing like man for a sermon I feel like for a sermon to preach it needs to preach to me first the part that most powerfully preached to me was that stuff I read from the Max Lucado quote about the scapegoat mm-hmm. and he just goes in on the despair and the darkness and and what's going on there and I you know just just the realness. He says, you know, the despair is darker than the sky. The two who have been one are now two. Jesus, who had been with God for eternity, is now alone. The Christ, who was an expression of God, is abandoned. The Trinity is dismantled. The Godhead is disjointed. The unity is dissolved. And it's more than Jesus can take. And you get into that then. And he says, you know, he withstood the beating like, and that's the thing that's so incredible about Jesus. Like he was on mission, you know, from the time he was in the garden and, you know, made that statement, your, your will be done. Mm -hmm. Like he was set on God's will being accomplished. Yeah. So, you know, Lucado says, yeah, he, he withstood the beatings. He remained strong at the trials he watched in silence as the people he loved ran away. He didn't retaliate to any of the insults. He didn't scream when the nails pierced his wrists. But it's when God turned his head that it was more that he could take. Yep. My God, why why have you forsaken me? Um, and that's powerful stuff. Yeah. That it, Jesus literally shows us like, oh, man. Everything this world can throw at you compares little to not being with God. Right. So I think it too, it gives us an example. Um, something I've used, like it, it's, it's okay to ask why. Like, so I think some people are like, well, you just gotta, you know, we, we say all these, I don't know, I, I just say kind of cover up statements like, 
well, you know, it's God's plan. And, and, and I, and I get all that, but in the moment, like it's okay to ask why. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jesus did. And so I just think again, just it, it's powerful to relate to situations here on earth that we face. Like troubles have not, I, you know, I, I said this a little bit before we introduced that new song. Um, the same, the, the people back then are going through the same things that we're going through now. It's not like the world has really changed. Sin has been sin since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but our God, you know, went through that and showed us like, you know, I was talking about in our small group last night that it's okay to ask why, but it also means we need to do our homework. And so for me personally, um, when we went through what we went through, like I went to David and you always hear about the main stories, David and Goliath and David and Bathsheba. But, um, like I found out, man, David lost not one, but two sons. Mm-hmm. You know, and just reading through the Psalms of some days he's like, oh, God, you're my rock and you're my refuge and I praise you. And some days he's like, why? You know, and so I think it, I think that's a healthy battle as long as we're doing our homework and as long as we're trying to figure out um, what that means for God, what what's he doing in our lives? Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I think that's the difference. Like some people ask why and really want to know yeah. why. And some people ask why and then stop there. Yep. And never try to get any answers right. to that. And ultimately, like, we're never going to perfectly know why. Yeah. Um, until he reveals that to us. But yeah. Um, My wife last night, I think, said, said the best. Like, if, you, if you're angry with God in a moment or you're asking why, that means that there's a relationship there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, because in every relationship on this earth, siblings and parents and stuff, I mean, you know, we, we always kind of not fight, but, you know, um, have our disagreements or want to know what they're, the other person's thinking. But um, that means there's a relationship of love there. And yeah. so I think, you know, for, for some people, you know, that that's healthy as long as, you know, we're, we're actually trying to find out why. And as long as we're trying to grow in our relationship with God, then um, it's healthy to ask why. So. Yeah. So I had this story I was going to uh, use in the sermon and it just didn't feel like it. it so, I, you know, that's why I love about this. Sometimes there's things that don't make it. So there's this story that um, I had Chuck Colson. He was um, he started prison ministry um, and really kind of I mean, it was a big deal to him. Like that was a huge part of his his ministry was prison ministry. And. Uh, there's the story that near the city of, of Sao Jose, Dos Campos, Brazil, that it says there's a remarkable facility. 20 years ago, the Brazilian government turned a prisoner or turned a prison over to two Christians. The institution was renamed Humatia, and the, the, the plan was to run it on Christian principles. With the exception of two full-time staff, All of the work is done by inmates. Families outside the prison adopt an inmate to work with during and after this term. And Colson went and he visited the prison and he came back and reported. He said, when I visited Humeda, I I found the inmates smiling, particularly Um, the murderer who held the keys, particularly smiled a lot. He said he opened the gates He let me in and wherever I walked, I saw men at peace. I saw clean living areas, 
people working industriously. The walls were decorated with biblical sayings from Psalms and Proverbs. And he said, my guide escorted me to the notorious prison cell that they once used for torture there. And today he told me that that block houses only one single inmate. Um, so as we reached the end of the long corridor, he put the key in the lock and he paused and he asked, are you sure you want to go in? Of course, I replied impatiently. I've been in isolation cells all over the world. And slowly he swung open the massive door and I saw the prisoner in that punishment cell. A crucifix, beautifully carved by the Humeda inmates, uh, the prisoner was Jesus, hanging on the cross. Mm-hmm. And my guide said softly, he's doing time for the rest of us. And so uh, just that idea that it's like, man, what a, however it is that we look at this, there's two times a year it feels like as a church with the, with the cross and the resurrection and then with Christmas and the birth of Jesus that... We revisit these scriptures that on a yearly basis. And I think sometimes the intimidating thing preaching is going, man, how do I make this, you know, new or interesting or how do I draw people in? And it's just like with this series this year in particular, I just felt like, man, I don't have to (laughs) like the word should do that. Right. Um, and it does. Uh, we just have to preach it. You know, we just have to, we just have to get in it. And so, man, I feel like stories like that and, and other things, it's like at some point, everybody needs to get to that place of just going, gosh, like he's there in my place. Yep. He, he went where I belong so that I could be where he belongs. It's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, it's life changing if you allow it to be. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for being a part of the conversation today. And we hope everybody has a good week. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next Monday.